From the Financial Times in London, I'm Patrick Jenkins, the FT's financial editor. This is FT News. UK regulators have just published new data shedding light on the impact of Brexit and the use of the single market. One of the most surprising data points is that there are 50% more companies doing so-called passporting into the UK than actually passport out into the rest of the single market. With me in the studio to discuss this are Martin Arnold, our banking editor, and Laura Noonan, our investment banking correspondent. Laura and Martin, you've both been looking at the figures that have just been put out, putting some numbers on how important the single market is for those operators in the City of London revealing that more than 5,000 firms are basically reliant on single market passports to operate across the EU from a base in London. Martin, put that in a bit of context for us. How does that 5,000 break down? And also, how does it balance out with companies passporting into the UK from elsewhere? Actually, more firms in the rest of Europe rely on passporting to access the UK. Some 8,000 passports have been issued to firms in the rest of Europe to access the UK market. So that could add some weight to those who argue that the rest of the EU27 have as much to lose as the UK does. And the 5,500 breakdown is quite interesting as well because firms are issued passports by directive that covers a certain area of financial services activity. And the most common is the directive for insurance intermediaries. So it's the insurance sector that would be hardest hit. The second most common is the Markets in Financial Instruments Directive, which covers all kinds of investment services, and that's mostly investment banking and capital markets activities. Then there's various others, such as asset managers, payments companies, and also traditional lending, you know, deposit-taking and cross-border lending. So it just really underlines how much disruption there would be in a hard Brexit scenario where firms have to fall back on accessing the EU as if they're based in a third country. Laura, what do you take away from these numbers? I guess you've got to be careful in terms of how you actually read it. In terms of saying that there's a bigger impact for the EU firms than there is for the UK firm just because there are more EU firms using passports, I'd be fairly cautious on that because if you think about it, from the perspective of a firm in the city, they could be using passports to access all of the EU markets and that could be a large portion of their business. From the perspective of the firm in the EU, the UK is just one of the 30 or so markets that they access. Now, for some companies, the UK is one of their biggest markets for a lot of companies, it's actually a very small portion of their business. But I would still say on balance, passporting is more important to the UK firms than it is to the EU firms who passport in. If we look at the investment banks, there's only a handful of investment banks of scale who actually access the UK through this passporting, the largest one being Deutsche Bank. And in all likelihood, were there to not be passporting into the UK, we do expect Deutsche will be asked to set up a subsidiary and that would be a significant change for them and that would probably be a very expensive change for them. But if you look at the overall banks who passport in, most of them would actually require a relatively minor change. If you think about the banks who access the UK through a branch structure, there's almost 80 of them who are EEA branches and they use passporting effectively. There are 76 more banks who are outside the EEA and are still allowed to access the UK through a branch structure without having a subsidiary. If we think about the smaller European banks, it seems fairly likely that they would be allowed to continue to have a branch structure. They would just need to negotiate a deal with the FCA and the PRA, as all the other foreign banks did. But it does seem likely most of those smaller banks would be able to continue doing business in a fairly similar manner to how they're doing it now. 
That's a very thorough analysis of the banking sector, which is probably fair to say the biggest single component of these numbers that we've had light shone on. Interesting, Martin, you mentioned the insurance brokers as kind of the biggest in number. A lot of those brokerage firms are obviously going to be very small. But in terms of actually insurance companies, underwriters, there's an interesting point to be made that actually the numbers there are significantly bigger in terms of numbers of companies passporting into the UK rather than out of the UK. And in many cases, I think they're very big companies, the likes of, you know, the alliances and the axes of the world coming into the UK from the EU. So it is very much a two-way street, I think, but as Laura points out, a complicated one. This is an abridged version of the FT's Banking Weekly podcast, which you can download from ft.com slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.